bed than all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old man Grognard here. Happy Sunday. Hope you're all doing well. Well, as of this program, as of this recording, you can hear, you may be able to hear, it is raining buckets out there. We're getting a really big, fat thunderstorm, summer storm. I don't know. I guess it's going to be, maybe it's good because of the COVID or stuff, but I don't think we're going to get much of a summer this year. I think we're going to be interrupted by a lot of these storms and things like that. But anyway. Here we are, we're talking about gaming. I wanted to talk about fantasy versus science fiction and how they how I blend them together. And we will talk about that after this. Now, there has been... I've... How do I say this? I've not always wanted my sci-fi and fantasy mixed. I'm more of a fantasy guy. I don't play very much sci-fi. I mean, other than maybe the, the occasional Star Wars game or something like that. I just, I, I was exposed early on to Traveler, you know, around my D&D initiation phase. And I just thought it was a little too technical. You know, hard science fiction does nothing for me. And, you know, light science fiction or space opera and stuff, it's kind of fun, but, you know, it's not my go-to. The closest I get, I think, is like Gamma World or Mutant Future, the post-apocalyptic stuff, which isn't, it's sort of kind of, but it, I didn't really like, that's why I've always poo-pooed, not poo-pooed, but I've always really didn't care for like something like Expedition of the Barrier Peaks, because I knew that I got into a crashed spaceship and all of a sudden, they're fooling around with these hoo-ha ragruns and stuff like that. See, I'm like I, like you know, I'm not a literary person. I'm more of a cinematic person, so I didn't know much about the the weird fantasy pulps, fantasy sci-fi type stuff. I've never read any Burroughs or anything like that. And as far as movies go, there is a there is a gap. In my there is a, even though I'm a, I'm a film buff, there is a gap in my my knowledge of film as far as like old fantasy films. Like I've never seen Sword and the Sorcerer, I've never seen Hawk the Slayer. I've been trying to remedy that. I've watched a few of them. I have seen Dragon Slayer, and I did see Crawl finally and the Conan stuff. But I just you know if it's there's science fantasy out there. You know, other than like, you know, He-Man or Thundar or something like that. You know, I I really haven't been exposed to it. And so I thought, no, you don't put ray guns and, you know, you don't put blasters. You don't put Star Wars stuff in fantasy. Well, they kind of did, I found out, you know, after I've been exposed for a while. I still haven't read the stories, but, you know, with Carter and, and Howard and those things and being exposed, any reading up on Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, it shows that, to me, that it can be done. But, and and this is goes for any Game Master. you got to do it on your terms. Whatever you do it, I mean, I'm not talking about the group or anything like that. Yes, well, it, see, every GM should 
establish his genre or tone or whatever of his campaign on his own terms, not on somebody, not on whatever supplement or whatever, however you do it. In other words, justify, I, I had to justify it in my own mind how it worked. I don't like just plunking down a blaster or a ray gun or something in fantasy and say, go for it. I like to justify how this would work and what the feel, it's the tone and the feel of it. Now, I left out the other players. You always got to consider the other players, but at the same time, if you have other players already and they're into what you're doing, then there you go. You know, they wouldn't be your players if they weren't, they kind of, you didn't kind of share the vision a bit. What I'm saying is, if there's going to be more advanced technology in a fantasy world, it's got to fit. And I think things like Thunder of the Barbarian work because it is way after the end and magic comes back. Okay. I also like the film Wizards, which, you know, magic versus technology there. But I think that it's, it has to be acceptable to you. That's what I'm saying. When I think, and you know, you've got you've got the Lovecraft influence in in Astonishing Swordsman and stuff like that. See, this is this is what I always found interesting about weird fiction of a, a bygone age, because I know people like Lovecraft and Howard and Smith, uh, Smith, you know, all those authors would share stuff. And even Lovecraft shared his Cthulhu Mythos with other people. Howard used some of it. And other authors used some of it too. But they used it in the way that made sense to them. What I'm saying is, in Lovecraft, you have all these people being exposed to these cosmic entities that man was not, knowledge man was not meant to know and going crazy or whatever. You know, he plays up the insanity blasting horror of it. Now, and if Robert E. Howard takes this and uses it in one of his Hyperborean stories, this is just a cosmic entity down from space that the big, big damn hero has to send his team have to stop. They have to, to him, to, to his characters, it's just another monster to be fought because the world of Hyboria is already weird enough. You know, they got snake cults and snake men and things like that. So that's why I'm saying Howard did it on his own terms. He did it the way he does. He doesn't fool around. That's, that's why I think it's weird that it's, it's almost coming at this cosmic horror from two different perspectives. Howard has a more positive perspective than Lovecraft. That's what I'm saying. And that's how I accept it in this game. And if it's advanced technology like the Great Race has it and and these other star spawn horrors that Lovecraft brings into it, they have their own technology. Now, I don't mind now the occasion, you know, the occasional blaster turning up or some kind of but it's gotta be it's gotta be fit into the weird fantasy genre thing it's got to be yes this is a this is a uh this is a advanced technology but it's so weird you you can figure out how it works but it's so weird you wouldn't know how to charge it you wouldn't know how to i mean i remember 
which one was it? Was it the Great Race of Yith or uh, one of the other, one of the the old ones or whatever? One of them had, they had blasters and they had laser guns and such, but they looked like, looked like carved out pieces of a lightning bolt. Didn't look like a gun at all, except it had like a business end. And they'd fire these things. And they were powered by, and, and you know, there's radiation in Hyperborea too. But it is warped by the magic, or the magic is warped by the radiation and such like that. There's irradiated stuff, which I buy because it's been introduced in this into this world as a natural thing. So, you know, I'm I'm sure that there were spaceships and other things that crashed on Hyperborea before. And I find that I find that more acceptable that way, when it's more alien to the characters. And I'm not saying alien like, oh, the players know what it is. I want it to be alien to the players too. How does this machine work? Well, you don't know. I put these two, three big, they put these three big balls in here and pull the switch, and boom, there's a portal to some other dimension. And okay, you can figure out that the three balls are the power source or the or the the connect there the 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 focus that sends it through time and space or whatever so you know they can figure it out generally you know the more the more knowledgeable like the wizards and the clerics might be able to figure it out but most of the guys are like oh, okay let's well either let's jump through it or destroy it that's pretty much the way they think so to me technology and sci-fi can fit into fantasy it's just in my case, the sci-fi has to fit into the fantasy. That's what I'm saying. I, if I can justify it in my own time, not just something like a, 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 I don't know, a TIE fighter dropping onto Hyperborea, I can't, I can't see that or something like that. Oh, there, it could happen, but I'd rather see it in a more fanciful way. So anyway, I think you get the drift, the drift of what I'm talking about. So I'm going to go start my day, as drippy as it is. And if you want to talk about this, anything else, oldmangrognargmail.com or drop me a voicemail and anchor. We're monetized until, so, uh, until, so as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program, and I would thank you. Thanks again, Jonathan Dorje, Wendell, Jessen, Oliver Shreet, Gilbert Soares, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Daniel Reynolds, Dan Gregg, Benjamin Brodell, Jason, and John Allen Large. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And don't forget Dan Gregg's Young Y-U-N-G, Young Grognar podcast. Mark C. Wallring's the Yawning Albert podcast. Big John Allen Larges, The Red Dice Diaries, and Mr. Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. Those are all great podcasts. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Mm-hmm.